The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. I'm Clay Link alongside Rotowire.com's lead prospect writer, James Anderson. James, you asked for prospect questions on Twitter, and the response, uh, borderline overwhelming, although I think we can get to most of these questions today. If not, maybe hold hold some of these for next week. Yeah, really appreciate everyone reaching out. Uh, we'll, we'll probably go um pretty fast on these just so that we can get to as many of them as possible i really appreciate everyone that took the time to to provide us with some content on today's podcast yeah it's cool man this is going to be again one of the final shows of the regular season we'll be checking in time to time in the off season but um you know with social distancing not in the office i hope we can still meet up and hang out occasionally this winter (laughs) i know we won't be doing the pod as often but Looking forward to, you know, talking this winter and getting to the grind of the magazine. But, James, I wanted to just mention my Reds are back in it, half game out of the wild card. Uh, right when I think I'm out, they pull me back in, and uh, I'm pretty excited. Also, I know you're not a gamer, 
much of a gamer, but PS5 showcase today. I'm kind of excited about that. But let's get right into these. Dan Corrado, very good friend of the podcast. Uh, the Dynasty advice and rankings are for leagues larger than my league, 12-team Roto, where 240 to 350 prospects are owned. Is there any specific advice you could provide that is tailored toward my shallower league, contender-specific? What do you think? Yeah, so the the prospect rankings are definitely uh, tailored toward Dan's league size. Uh, I'm definitely doing those for, for leagues where over 200 guys are rostered. So that part of it, I, I wouldn't say anything really changes. Um, yeah, with, with the dynasty rankings, those are going to be more like I, I do mine for 20-team leagues. I know Ian does his for 15-team leagues. Um, really, the, the shallower you go in terms of how many teams are in your league – it's going to make, uh, in my opinion, it makes aces a little less valuable because the replacement level pitcher is so much better in a 12-team league versus a 20-team league. Uh, like you're, you're not going to be able to pick up a quality starting pitcher off waivers in a 20-team league, whereas in a 12-team league, you probably will be able to uh, throughout the season. Um, the, those kind of mid-tier options at deep, positions like shortstop and outfield are going to be less valuable in a shallower league you know like a, a dd gregorius type of guy uh you know a, a marcus Semyon type of guy doesn't hold as much value to me in a, in a 12 teamer as he would in a 20 teamer because again the replacement level is so high and then i'm not sure if dan plays in one catcher is a one catcher league or a two catcher league but if it's a one-catcher league and it's 12 teams, then you really just only care about, like, Real Muto, Grandal, uh, maybe a little bit. Um, but, you know, after that, it's just who cares because you're going to be able to find pretty much the same type of catcher if only 12 guys are started. We are answering your Twitter questions on the show today. And John wants to know, do you rank pitching prospects based on the assumption they'll be starters? For example, what's your outlook on Luis Patino? And Josiah Gray, and will their rank take a hit if they become bullpen arms for 2021? So I do my rankings. Uh, if I think a guy is going to be a starter long term, then I that'll be reflected in my rankings. If I think he's going to be a reliever long term, then that'll be reflected. So uh, that's why I've been a little bit lower on guys like uh, Bruce Stargraderall, and uh, like I'm a little lower right now on Davey Garcia. Just because I, I know he's been great, but I think I, I just I have my doubts about it holding up over a, a full season in a starting role. Um, so that that's going to be reflected in my rankings if I don't think a guy's going to be a starter. With uh, Gray and Patino, I think they will be starters. Um, Patino might have a, a bit more uh, reliever risk, uh, just given his his size, and you know I still want to sort of see how his arm holds up here over the next couple of years, but. Um, the, the better the team you're on, like if you're on the Dodgers or you're on the Rays, or I mean, now we can throw the Padres into that mix as well, the more likely it is that you break in in a relief role. But that doesn't mean that I just assume you're going to be a reliever forever. Like if Josiah Gray breaks in as a reliever, I still assume they're going to keep developing him as a starter and he'll be a starter long term. Nice. Yeah, it's, you know, bullpen risk with all pitching prospects, but the degree of that risk, as you see it, baked baked into your rankings that's very important to point out cam anderson asks are either of these injured pitchers aj puck 17th round value or matt manning 28th round aka last round value worth keeping for next season head-to-head -head categories 
maybe speak about keeping injured pitchers in general. Uh, only keep eight players total, a.k.a. worth a keep with opportunity cost, not just in a vacuum. So I, I, I get what Cam here is asking. What are your thoughts? Uh, you're definitely not keeping Puck there. Um, you know, there's a chance he doesn't even pitch at all in the majors next year. Uh, was it shoulder surgery? Yeah. I hadn't seen a specific uh like I know it's a shoulder surgery. I don't know what type of shoulder, right. the labrum or, or whatever. But um, you know, I mean, he, he's just even if he were able to pitch in the majors next year, it's probably going to be as a reliever. Um, yeah, and that's so, a high yeah, threshold yeah. to clear eight players, right? And then with Manning, like I think that the eight player thing is key again. Hopefully, we get some news with him, um, you know, in the coming months about whether he's going to need surgery or whether he because he, he shut down with a forearm strain that could very easily lead to Tommy John surgery. And I, I kind of am assuming that eventually he gets Tommy John surgery. He's not going to fall out like like AJ Puck's falling out of my top 100. Um, Manning could get Tommy John surgery in December and he would still be a, a top 75 prospect for me. But um, hopefully you can get some clarity on that situation before you have to make your keeper calls. But as of right now, I would not keep Manning just given the fact that you're only keeping eight guys. Not a prospect question, but this is an interesting one for Dynasty Leagues. Thoughts on J.D. Martinez for 2021 and beyond? What are your thoughts, James? Yeah, so I, I'm kind of worried about J.D. Martinez. I'd, it'd be, you know, like guys like Nelson Cruz are the, the you know, rare exception. Uh, guys that can age that well uh, with that type of skill set. Uh, so he's kind of, yeah, he's in the sort of danger zone. Um, what do you, what do you think about J.D.? I mean, the, the hard hit rate is way down this year. Uh, obviously, he's going to opt in i think to that contract i think that that goes without saying so he's going to be around for a bit longer he's going to be getting paid a lot but what do you think about him for 2021 yeah you know i'm pretty nervous too i look at him and i was pretty high on jd coming in but he's just not doing really any damage and it's just a stark contrast plus early on in the season he was talking about how he wasn't able to go into the you know, the video room in-game and make in-game adjustments. And it was just kind of weird that he was almost like setting the stage for, you know, just going to that well early. I was kind of like, wow, man, you're kind of making excuses early on. And ex-Wobon contact down 90 points. It's just something's weird. And I, I'm i hesitant to buy in because I, I look at him 33 years old when you're still probably spending like a fourth rounder next year for him. And that sounds right. You know, you know, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think, uh, I think, given the age and given how bad he's been, uh, I think you, if, if you want JD Martinez in like the seventh or eighth round, I think you might be able to get him seventh next year. Or eighth. Oh. Oh, okay, yeah, maybe because he's not giving you see, any steals, so you, true. you need him to be that four category stud. See, I'm, not, I'm trying not to overreact, but maybe the market overreacts more than. Then I will. So maybe I won't be completely out, but I am hesitant to to jump back in next year. It, it's not a. I mean, it, it'd be one thing if this was sort of a like a Pete Alonso or Javi Baez situation where you got a guy who's right in their prime uh, who's having a down year like this. When you're talking about like a 33 year old designated hitter, I think people are, um, you know, you don't want to be the sucker that goes back to that well if it, if it might be over. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm- a little hesitant, but you're probably right. It probably will uh, his cost and, and 
drafts sink further than the fourth round. Uh, Daniel Harding would like to know, who would you rather roster in Dynasty, Luis Angel Acuna or Noel V. Marte? Uh, Marte by by quite a bit. You know, I think he's got more power potential. He's got more stolen base upside. He has a better body. Uh, you know, Mar- Marte just kind of looks that part of like a you know, six, six, two shortstop with at least 20, 20 upside, um, probably 30, 30 upside. If, if it all comes together, whereas Acuna, um, really amazing plate skills, uh, probably a better hit tool, uh, long-term than Marte, but I just don't see that type of high end, uh, potential in the power department. And he might, you know, he could be a 20 steel guy early on, but I don't think his speed is going to age super well. So he, he's a top 60 prospect. Marte's a top 20 prospect. Nice. And Dan asks, uh, do you guys like uh, Austin Slater as a dynasty asset? I was reading it wrong. Also, is uh, Jamer Candelario good at baseball? He's really been impressive, and I'm starting to buy back in on Candelario. Yeah, man. Uh Candelario, it's he's looked good. Uh, it's you know when when I've seen the Tigers, which hasn't been a ton, uh, he he looks you know the eye test kind of matches up. Um, and the nice thing with him is there's just nobody that's going to push him for playing time. I mean, I think he's pretty much locked in as an everyday guy there uh, for the foreseeable future. Kind of the opposite with Slater. I just wish we had a larger sample. Uh, to evaluate with him because he's missed all that time with injuries this year. Um, he has just been ridiculously insane in a small sample against uh, left-handed pitching. And he's been productive, but his strikeout rate's like twice what it is against lefties, against righties. Like he's up over 30% against righties. So there is that concern that Slater could be a short-side platoon guy for the Giants, and they've got a, a ton of outfield talent on the way. Uh, Helio Ramos probably makes his debut next year. Um, you know, t- there's just there's only so many spots that are going to be available. So I, I'm, I'm a little bit worried that Slater could get a uh, short side platoon. Um, but yeah, I mean the the numbers this this year have been great. But I mean the, the sprint speed doesn't necessarily back up uh, the stolen base pace that he was on either. So uh, he's going to be a guy that you might have to throw back in dynasty uh, depending on how deep your league is just because there's so much uncertainty there with the playing time and just how real uh, the production was this year. Yeah. Those stolen bases really propping up his value right now. It's hard to, at least for me anyway, to determine how real those are. Uh, Catfish Paul wants to know 30 team dynasty rebuild. Uh, can you give three you know, prospects in the 50 to 150 ranked range that you would target? Yeah, these questions are always tough because I'm I'm just probably going to give you the wherever you put the cutoff at at you know 50. I'm just going to give you three guys that are just barely outside of the top 50. Uh, you know, I, I have Tyler Freeman inside my top 50, but I think I'm probably the only person that does, so I think he qualifies. And then Luis Matos of the Giants, Marcel Urbina of the Twins are a couple guys where yeah, there's there's hype on those guys right now, but it's not crazy hype like I, I still think you could trade for matos or urbina at a, at a palatable price right now and they've got really high ceilings nice yeah 30 team dynasty rebuild those um you're probably looking pretty far off freeman not that far off right no yeah freeman could be up next year the other two are two or three years away at least nice michael corston says 
Excuse me. I have an open roster spot in, in a dynasty league. Which of the following three free agents do you feel has the best long-term potential? Uh, Jared Walsh, who's been on a heater. JD, uh, not JD, DJ Stewart, or Ryan Jeffers? What are your thoughts, James? So Jeffers has by far the best prospect pedigree of these guys. He was a top 150 guy for me coming into the year. I definitely have never ranked Walsh or Stewart even inside my top 200. I, I maybe haven't even ranked those guys on my top 400. Um, and they're obviously older. Uh, I, I think I'm going to go Walsh here. You know, the the improvements he's made in terms of contact this year are really kind of staggering. Uh, went from being a really high strikeout guy to having a well above average strikeout rate this year. And, you know, he's a lefty. Uh, the power, it's pretty easy power. Um, so if he's going to make contact, even if the strikeout rate regresses to like 20%, I think the, the power is there. And I think the role should be there too. I mean, I, I don't see anyone really pushing him. Maybe it's only a strong side platoon role for him. But um, I think Walsh's production is a bit more real than Stewart's. And Jeffers, I, I love him as a catching prospect, but. You know, you're, you're probably looking at a 50-50 split between him and Mitch Garver next year as a best-case scenario. Jay Tozawa wants your thoughts on Noah's song. Do you think once he finishes his commitment to the Navy, he could be a possible top 100 prospect? Yeah, he's he's good enough to be a top 100 prospect, but we just I want to see what it looks like um, when he gets back to affiliated baseball. Make sure that the stuff's all there. By then, he's going to be, what, like mid He's going to be like 24, 25. Um, so, yeah, there, there could be a chance for him to be a top 100 guy before he comes off the list. But, um, yeah, we, I just kind of want to see what it looks like once he once he gets back from, from the Navy. Next up, have you seen anything in this weird season from post-hype or lesser-known names, uh, anything you've seen that is actionable, guys you may be able to snag now ahead of next year? Um, yeah, this was a good question from Dan. I didn't have time to do a ton of research on this one. Uh, I will say in, in terms of post type guys, Nate Lowe has been looking excellent, uh, since taking over for, uh, G man Choi as the Rays first baseman. I think he hit lead off today. Um, not saying that Nate Lowe's available in your dynasty league, but I think he's, uh, got a big up barrel next to his name. Very nice. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some names. Maybe this next one could be lumped into there as post-hype next year. People will people have a short memory. And like a guy with Corbin like with Corbin Burns, you know, I think Dylan Carlson maybe will be a forgotten band next year and Tom Sanders asks about Carlson. How concerned should we be about him given how he looked in his first taste of big league action? It, you know, I mean you're not um it could have gone a, a number of different ways for Carlson this year. I mean, he could have been awesome. He could have just been so-so. Uh, he ended up being not very good and got sent down. Uh, but, I mean, I, I'm maybe 95% as high on him, on him as I was a couple months ago. Um, so, you know, you're, you're not just 100% still. This is the exact same guy I thought he was before he struggled, but I, I'm not moving off new information, him. but... It's just yeah. a it's just a piece right. of the puzzle, and I think it'll be. I think he's going to be a, a pretty good 
draft day value in in 2021 uh, leagues in dynasty. You're just holding him. You're not trading him. Uh, maybe maybe you can trade for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you just hold him. You, you stay the course. I think it's all going to work out with Carlson. You think you could say Vlad Jr. is going to be post type next year? I guess in a way. I guess it depends on the final two weeks here, but I'll probably be in on him yet again. And I guess. <laughs> <laughs> three years running now. Uh, the hype won't be completely gone, but I do think maybe we're getting to the point where it's like after two years, maybe you can label Vlad a, a post-type guy. What about Mount Castle, by the way? Is he kind of like, is he growing on you at all? I'm kind of curious. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he is. Um, so I, yeah, I was not expecting I, much, to be honest. I do not, you know, I don't think, I doubt I'm going to have many shares of him next year. Uh, just given how how good he's been, <laughs> I mean, I think there's there's something to be said in 2021 redraft leagues to basically going after only players that struggled to some degree this year. You could <laughs> probably build a juggernaut on paper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I don't want to be drafting uh, many Ryan Mountcastles in 2021. You know, guys where just nothing went wrong and everything went right. Uh, Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't expect to have a ton, but at the same time, I, I think his swings look great. Um, you know, I think he's the fact that he's walking nine percent of the time is is kind of baffling to me after what he did in the minor leagues. But um, yeah, I, I think he probably. I mean, he obviously is going to regress some next year. I think he might regress um, quite a bit. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm definitely quite a bit higher on him than I was uh, coming into the year. Yeah, you got to give him credit for 350, 411, 588 through 23 games. Uh, Truth Serum wants to know, what's your excitement slash concern level with Jason Dominguez, a guy we've talked about a fair amount? Uh, excitement level is is high. I mean, the bat speed, power potential is, is absolutely through the roof with him. Uh, concern level, you know, he, he needs to – stay on top of his conditioning he needs to you know maybe lay off the weightlifting or or whatever it was that led to him uh starting to look like popeye a couple couple months ago but i mean excitement levels high i I just want to see what he does in his first taste of pro ball i'm I'm really excited to see how that goes and then we'll be able to have a better gauge of, of whether we should be concerned about anything or not Related to that, uh, Jake Tolson wants to know what sort of season stat averages do you think we can expect from Jason Dominguez and Julio Rodriguez once they've had a couple years in the majors to get adjusted? So basically, like as they're hitting their prime, what do you think? I'm not going to give a a slash line or anything on Dominguez. I just don't. I don't think there's any um, real data points to, to look know, at yeah. there. Uh, I, I do think he's got clear 40 homer potential, um, maybe 50 homer potential. So like that, that part is, is very evident, uh, based on the video I've seen. And then with stolen bases, yeah, we just, we don't know what the body's going to look like three or four years, but I mean, right now I think he could steal 20 bases. We'll see. We'll see what that looks like in, uh, in a few years. Uh, I do, uh, you know, with, with Julio Rodriguez, we have seen enough, uh, where I, I, I still think he's got a chance to be a 300 hitter who gets on base at a 400 clip. Um, so that's that's why I'm as high on him as I am. Uh, I think you know maybe 35 homers, 10 steals, uh, something like that for Rodriguez. But 
with him, it's just going to be, you know, OPS, WRC plus absolutely through the roof, uh, because I think he's just going to be getting on base at such a high clip uh, to go with all that power. Nice. Well, before we move on, a little piece of business, a word from our friends over at PropSwap. The smart sports better knows where to find the best odds before placing a bet. That's why we always use PropSwap. Take, for example, a Fernando Tatis to win NL MVP ticket that's sold on PropSwap. Ticket sold at 8-1 to one odds. That's right, 8-1. to one. Every local casino has odds of just 3-1 to one for the same wager. It's obvious PropSwap customers always find the best odds because you're buying directly from other bettors like yourself. Come join us. PropSwap is the edge you've been searching for. Don't delay. Go to PropSwap.com today. The smart sports better knows where to find the best odds before placing a bet. James, I, I think I can say safely now we're not going to get through all these, but we're going to try to, to power through as many as we can. Truth Serum, back with another question. Are there any prospects impacted for better or for worse more than others by not playing a full minor league season this year? This is really just speculation. I, I don't think pitchers you know pitchers are impacted because they can't build up as many innings as they normally would but i I don't think they're impacted from much from a skill standpoint i mean they're they're working in those pitch labs and developing pitches so um not too worried about most pitchers uh the the main type of uh, player i'm worried about are those sort of mid to upper level hitters you know high a double a type of hitters who have hit tool concerns, they weren't really able to work on those as much as they could have in a normal season. But again, we're, we're kind of guessing this type of stuff. Nice. Yeah. And then Matt Festa, isn't that a pitcher? Is this the pitcher Matt Festa? Uh, played for like <laughs> the uh, Mariners? I don't know. I know lots of big leaguers listen to this show. So it might, it might be. <laughs> I'm sure of it. He wants to know, have you seen or heard anything from the alternate sites that might change your tune on a player and allow for a buy low opportunity if others aren't paying attention. Example, I saw the Indians' Tyler Freeman has displayed more power to go along with his already above-average contact skills. Yeah, I mean, Freeman's a good one. Uh, I I still think he's undervalued on pretty much every other list. Um, He's a top-50 prospect to me pretty easily right now. Uh, The the main guys are just the the sort of obvious guys. we, We know that uh, Jared Kalanick and like Riley Green and Marco Luciano were, were turning heads and in, in summer camp and stuff. Um, you're not really going to be able to buy low on any of those guys. So, uh, unfortunately, we just don't have a, a ton of information. Uh, most teams are not. We're not seeing as much video as we're seeing, like from Indians camp, for example, or even from Red Sox camp. I know uh, Tristan Casas is a guy who's um, getting a lot of buzz. Jaron Duran at, at Red Sox camp, but I, I don't think those are buy low guys by any by any stretch. Derek asks, can you discuss ETAs and possible upside uh, of Logan Gilbert, Jackson Cower, Daniel Lynch, Ethan Hankins, Vidal Bruhan, and Trevor Larnock? Uh, Gilbert, early 2021, uh, number, you know, maybe number two starter, more likely number three starter. Uh, Cower, uh, middle of 2021, Lynch, middle of 2021. Um, I think Lynch has a slightly higher ceiling. Both those guys can maybe be number two starters, but Cower probably more likely number three. Uh, Ethan Hankins sometime in 2022, if all goes well, but you know he's he's far enough away that who, who knows when he gets here. Um, but he's got number two starter upside. Bruhan middle of next year, 
10 homer, 30 steal upside, but really crowded playing time situation. So if he falls into a utility role, which is which is quite possible, especially early in his career, you won't get those counting stats. And then uh, Larnack, you know, he should be ready sometime next summer. We'll see if there's a spot for him. He could be a middle-of-the-order run producer, but he's just he's kind of a DH type. Uh, so he really needs to come close to hitting his offensive ceiling. You know, I got to say, relating to Bruhan, I've been kind of surprised by how much the Rays have been running. Like, it seemed like a lot of quote unquote smart teams were getting away from the running game for a long time, but they had like five different guys steal a bag the other day. And um, yeah, you have to like that as a sign for Bruhan and their other prospects. I think Margot has like. Yeah, I, I was shocked steals. when I saw how many steals yeah. Margot had. He's been on my bench all year in one league, and I was like, wait, <laughs> why didn't I put him in earlier? Um, James, last week we talked about how Sixto was your new number one pitching prospect, but Dave Markow wants to know just how good is Sixto Sanchez? Well, he's awesome. Um, I saw yeah. – who was that? Was it uh, – sorry to interrupt you, but uh, somebody tweeted out that a scout said he may be the pe- best pitcher in the game oh, right now. John, John, John Heyman, yeah. I kind of <laughs> yeah. chuckled, but maybe that's not so far off. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think he could be like a – I think he could be a top 12 – starter next year but again like i said this last week you know, he could blow out his arm at any moment so um i i, I can't wait to see what the draft day price tag is going to be on him um i doubt that i like i i don't want to go into any leagues with him as my sp1 maybe if he's my sp2 that'd be okay but i kind of you know i want to see a guy show me that he can go 100 75-ish innings before I treat him like an SP1, and you know we're just not going to get that from 6-0 this year. Brian Johnson has a pretty interesting question relating to leagues in which there aren't that many prospects held. He, uh, he wants to know, how would you roster prospects in leagues where only about 20-ish prospects are rostered? 14-team, keep 22 dynasty, and I'd hold nine of the top 15 prospects in my rebuild attempts. Every other team has maybe one guy they're rostering. Is Brian the crazy one? No, I I think the fact that you're the only one doing this strategy, it makes it very viable. And the key part is you're keeping 22 guys. So when you're keeping that many guys, I mean, there should be 50 or 60 prospects rostered in this league, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So I I think he's doing it right. I think that that's uh, a market efficiency in that, uh, that particular league. Colin asks, trade Mike Clevenger and Nick Castellanos for Marcelo Zuna and Corbin Burns in a 10-team head-to-head keeper. Overall cost to keep is similar, and uh, he is still competing this year. What do you think? Well, what what do you think of Castellanos versus Ozuna? Mm, that's good. You've, you've seen Castellanos a ton. Yeah, he is so hot. Then he was just brutal. Swings at everything. A great fit in Cincinnati, but... I do question how long he may actually be there. Um, you know, Clev kind of over the hill now. I, maybe not, but I. Uh, he actually had a didn't he have a complete game his last time out seven innings? That was his own. That was his only start of the year, though, where he yeah. looked like last year's Mike Clev. Yeah, the K's so have like really not been there at all, and I do worry about that plant leg. He's had surgery on that, and just doesn't seem to have full trust in that. A plant leg right now. I think I may lead in the, the Ozuna Burns route. I mean, it's a it's a classic trade where you're trying to buy low on two guys and you're trying to sell high on two guys. Uh, 
I like the idea of just seeing what's out there for Burns because, I mean, his value is, is sky high right now. Uh, oh, man. I don't see That's, Castellanos as like a big upgrade over Ozuna long term, though. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, it to me, Castellanos was just overrated coming into the year based on the, the final uh, two months he had with the Cubs last year. Hey, summer so, camp. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and I'm I'm guilty of that. <laughs> I love Burns. I mean, <laughs> I Burns well. needs to obviously get better at, at being more efficient with his pitches. But uh, I, I mean, he has he simply has better stuff than Mike Clevenger right now. Like just in terms of missing bats, in terms mm-hmm. of the eye test, I think his stuff is just better. And now Clevenger has proven that he can go six plus innings more often. Uh, but uh, I definitely get the case for the uh, Burns Ozuna side. Yeah, that's like a home run swing. Maybe you get the next, like a next ace in the making in Burns. Mm-hmm. Um, also, here, do you guys have any few guys widely considered top tier dynasty assets that you'd be looking to trade? Uh, he uses Judge as an example. He has him rostered. Uh, I traded you, our boy, you and Ian uh, Herman Marquez. Uh, that's basically just a, a pitcher, and I wasn't really competitive this year, so moving him for a, for Luis Angel in the second rounder next year. Um, he's a guy that, that popped into my mind just as good as much as I love the skills. I don't see him ever having a year where he completely beats cores. Any names that come to, you, to mind for you, James? I, I would be just kind of asking, you know, what's out there on – guys like Sixto Sanchez, Corbin Burns, just because, you know, let's see what you can get. I mean, someone might go absolutely crazy for one of those guys. Uh, someone might have seen that John Heyman tweet and believed it and, and gives you something crazy for Sixto. So I'd see what's out there for, for any pitcher that's just going crazy right now. Uh, Manny Machado and Paul Goldschmidt came to mind as um, not super young guys, but guys where – it's just it's not going to get any better than it is right now. Um, so those are those are guys you might want to look at uh, flipping. And then with with Judge, I mean, if you if you have Judge when he's healthy and he's absolutely going great, like he was in late July, early August this year, that's a great time to trade him. Um, you don't want to trade him when he's hurt, though. So I would wait till he gets going again, and then you can uh, look at what's out there. Taylor Bauer wants to know, are there any organizations that you are a hard fade on all their prospects or partial organizational fades, i.e. Rockies pitchers? So uh, say definitely, definitely no teams that I'm a hard fade on other than, as you said, like Rockies pitchers. Um, teams where I get a little uneasy about getting too high on a guy is – teams where they're just absolutely loaded on the 40 man and like so the rays and the dodgers coming into the year uh i mean the dodgers had how many hitting prospects like zach mckinstry dj peters guys in the the upper levels where they're ready for the big leagues but there's just nowhere to play so those guys are going to get downgraded uh similarly with the rays you know you'd want every raise prospect you just wish that they were on like the tigers or the royals because then you know that they're going to get everyday playing time whereas um like we like we mentioned with bruhan earlier he could easily just get kind of um, a util role to start off just because how talented they are so um 
that's kind of the closest thing to fading prospects is sort of those those good but not generational prospects on teams where they're just super deep. Real quick aside, I, I have no idea what the answer to this is, but Alberto Mondesi going to be a fascinating guy to oh, try yeah. to value for Dynasty. I mean, it's just so brutal. Then he's just been a combo meal mas- machine, homer and steal yeah. in so many games. Uh, all over the place so far for him this year. A lot of hot, a lot of hot takes out there on uh, oh, Alberto, yeah. uh, and I assume those hot takes will just get even hotter uh, this upcoming offseason. Yeah, piping hot. Cody Gardner wants to know who are some guys you're high on from the 2020 draft outside of the first round that could end up being top ten prospects at some point. Well, there, there probably won't be any uh, that become top ten prospects, but uh, a couple sort of names that really jumped out to me isaiah green who the mets got he's got the power and speed to be a top 10 prospect if he hits uh mason win if he were to transition to just being a full-time hitter uh, full-time shortstop he's got the power and speed to be a top 10 prospect and then um kind of further down my rankings but outside shot David Calabrese with the Angels. I, I see some Corbin Carroll in him, and Corbin Carroll's knocking on the door of the top 15. So if everything were to break perfectly for Calabrese, he's a 70-grade runner, so he could get there. But uh, Green and Wynn um, are a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more explosive. Nice. Alan Harris in front of the show. Uh, he's interested to hear your take, James. I, I doubt mine as much. Uh, on the real-slash-fake impact Luis Campusano may have in San Diego given their current stable of backstops? Well, I mean, man, uh, Austin Nola. Like, He's been amazing, he, and he just how do, how are you, obviously he just debuted last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he's looking like the catcher of the future there until, until he shows otherwise. I mean, he's been great on both sides of the ball. Um, yeah, good for it's, him. It's really I did bad. not believe at all, yeah. but good for him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's really crowded there, obviously. Uh, you know, I, I would not feel great if I were a Francisco Mejia uh, dynasty manager. Um, but, you know, Capisano, he's outside of my top uh, 150, I want to say. And part of that is it's just, you know, when, when do we think he's going to actually get over 50% of the starts there? It's probably not anytime soon. Barrett Davis asks, have you heard anything about George Valera and or Josh Jung? Young. I've seen some, I've seen some video of Valera. He, he, I mean, he looks good, but you know, the video you see from these alternate sites is typically the best video. Like you're not seeing video of them striking out a bunch. So, um, Valera's look good. Uh, I haven't seen anything on Young, but, um, I, I haven't heard anything bad about him either. Now you asked for questions and Derek Lacazy kind of threw a, talk about question in here but he says tell me more about bobby miller we'll we'll let it slide Derek. uh just kidding is he good enough bobby miller to carve out a true starting role in the next year or two or will he be uh jerked around like gonsolin maeda etc well he'll definitely be jerked around um <laughs> that, that part will definitely happen um because he's on the dodgers now you know, Dustin May broke in, um, not as a traditional starter. Now he's getting traditional starts. Uh, same, same kind of with Gonsolin. So I think that that's sort of what you're hoping for. And it's not the worst developmental thing either for those guys to break in like that. Uh, it was a great landing spot for Miller. Um, 
he had a upper 90s sinker that I assume the Dodgers are going to have him scrap, and and I think that'll lead to even more swing and miss potential with him. Um, and you know, get him going with a four seamer. He's got a plus slider. Uh, they're going to have to improve his strike throwing. So I think that that's number one thing to watch for him when he makes his pro debut is, is how many guys is he walking. Uh, but very, very high ceiling if it all comes together for him, but there's still some reliever risk there. West, sir, I'm sorry, Wes Stasic asks, uh, Evan White's StatCast profile very polarizing. Can we expect improvement from Evan White uh, in 2021 based on how he's performed this year? Tough guy I, to figure think, out. We dropped him weeks back. Yeah, we? I don't think you can expect it, but I think you can uh, acknowledge that it's definitely a possibility. Um, to be clear, we didn't drop you know, him in a dynasty league, just in our 15-team no, no. redraft. Um, I, I, you know, he's a guy where I would be interested in getting uh, some 2021 redraft shares of him if it's kind of end game stuff, like where I kind of expect him to be going outside of the top 250 in redraft. Um, but I, I definitely think they're going to continue forward with him as as an everyday guy, and um, you know, I, he's definitely going to be better next year than he was this year. Uh, usually, when guys, um, you know, he was. I wouldn't say he was rushed in the in the manner. I mean, we've seen other guys make their big league debuts who are rushed more than than White, but I mean, he never played a Triple A. So this was him just kind of getting his feet wet for the first time against big league pitching. I, I think the strikeout rate probably goes from thirty nine percent to you know thirty one, thirty two percent next year. But maybe it's even a bigger jump than that. Maybe it could be twenty eight percent. And at that point, he's hitting the ball hard enough where I think he's going to be uh, pretty solid. So. I, I'm interested in him as a post-type guy next year, assuming he's going kind of in that 300 to 350 range. Yeah, that's a good post-type name right there. Max Arterburn asks, who are your favorite lower-level guys that are not showing a strong hit tool right now but have a pretty decent shot at fantasy relevance? His example is a guy like Kendall Simmons. Yeah, so these guys – I wouldn't say anyone that's not showing a good hit tool has a pretty good shot at fantasy relevance, but um, I think Robert Poisson with the A's, Keone Cabaco with the Twins, and Alexi Planez with the uh, with Cleveland. I think those three guys. Uh, there's big hit tool concerns for me, but they have enough uh, potential in the power. Um, with Planez, it's just power, but with the other two, it's power and speed. So. Um, those are three guys to keep an eye on. If they make improvements as hitters, uh, they could see pretty big jumps up the rankings. Nice. And Wes again here, should we be worried about Spencer Howard? This is a good one. And Spencer Howard's ability to hold up as a starter long-term. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, he's on, on the IL with shoulder stiffness. That could go south in a hurry. So, yeah, What yeah, was it think, initially, like a f- just a fingernail or a blister or something? Um, I know he was like you know he skipped earlier this year, but uh, it has well, it was a rough debut. Yeah, I will say a couple weeks ago, I think I did a note on him where there were concerns about his velocity. Uh, the velocity yeah, yeah. then wasn't a huge issue in his next start, I want to say, but then now you have the shoulder injury, so clearly he was battling something there. Um, really, just at no point this year did he look as good 
to me as he did uh, in the Arizona Fall League. So, absolutely. I mean, any anytime any young pitcher is on the in, on the shelf with any sort of arm injury, you're definitely concerned. Yeah, it was a blister on his right middle finger in in early uh, mid August, I guess it was. And then yeah, there was that mysterious velocity dip, and now. The shoulder injury. You hate to see that with Spencer Howard. Uh, Chris Mickler asks, have you heard any info on Bobby Wood Jr. from the alternate site? Any chance for a 2021 debut for Bobby Witt Jr.? Uh, yeah, I mean, he looked good. He looked great in summer camp. I mean, rave abuse in summer camp. I think 2021 is a little aggressive on him. Uh, if everything goes great, he could be an early 2022 guy, but even that might be a stretch just given that he's a high school guy. I mean, he might run into some contact issues at double a. Um, and then you jumped over Matt Boudreaux's question. He had the exact oh, same sorry, question, Matt. but about Riley green and Christian Robinson, uh, any updates, Riley green, like wit was, you know, one of the talks of, of summer camp, obviously spring training went well for him. Um, but he, he's not going to be up this year. I, again, like with wit, I think you're looking at 2022 probably. Uh, with Robinson, really encouraging uh, to see that he, you know, he he might have even got gotten in better shape um, this off season. And there there used to be concerns with Robinson about whether he might slide all the way down to like first base, uh, just given that he was like six three as a as a seventeen year old and you know had a lot of uh, potential to add muscle. But he's looking really really. Um, you know, he, he, he's going to hold that plus speed a lot longer than I think people thought. I mean, he, he just looks really uh, fast, really explosive. So um, really good uh, really good reports out of uh, Arizona's camp with Robinson. Nice. I know he was delayed at the start of summer camp, right? But then he uh, – it's good that he's able to work with the staff there and, you know, see some live pitching, get those get some reps in. Uh, sorry again for Matt skipping over him, but now Colin here, kind of a general question. How are you dealing with young pitchers that have had great starts like Sixto Sanchez, Burns, uh, which Anderson is he talking about here? Ian, Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson, that's right. He's been really good. Urquidy and Pablo Lopez, two other names he threw out there. Uh, so I think Sixto and Burns are just, they're awesome. Um, if they stay healthy, they're going to be great next year. Uh, but again, might be an opportunity to, to cash out on those guys, just given how high their value is. Urquidy and Pablo Lopez are two guys who I absolutely love, who I don't think are getting quite as much hype. So those are the types of guys that I would expect to end up with a decent amount in 2021. And I think they're, they're solid guys to trade for if you're looking to contend in 2021. And then Anderson, I mean, he's just been way better than I expected. Uh, the changeup's been, you know, way better than than advertised with him. But I still just don't. I don't love the the fastball with him. Uh, fastball command. I, I just think over a full season, he's going to show more flaws. So Anderson's a guy I'd be looking to trade right now. Yeah, I got shut out on Ian Anderson. I was disappointed at the time, but uh, because of that, yeah, I didn't realize just how good he'd actually been. Uh, props on those who took the gamble because yeah, the Command looked pretty shaky and looked like he could have some struggles initially finding his footing in the bigs. Uh, Jeff Williamson asks, what is your take on how Carlos Hernandez has pitched in his short stint with the Royals? He's been pretty good. I know he was forced from one game after taking a liner to the stomach. Do you, but do you see much there with Hernandez long term? 
Well, the stuff's intact with him. He's dealt with a lot of arm injuries in the past. So it's, it's great to see that he's got that, that upper 90s fastball working. Um, the tricky thing with him is that uh, he's already on the 40-man roster and had never pitched above low A coming into the year. And that almost always results in a guy just ending up pigeonholed as a reliever long-term just because you, you aren't going to be able to give that guy enough opportunities to develop as a starting pitcher. There's just not enough time. So uh, I think he could be a, a really solid multi-inning guy out of the bullpen for them. I don't think he's going to really get a chance to develop into a, a really quality starting pitcher. Nice. Brandon Warren, who we cite on on Rotowire uh, quite a bit. He's a trusted news source. He asks... What's the difference between Kirloff and Larnick, of course, of the Twins? And is that difference meaningful if there is one? I think it is meaningful. I think Kirloff's uh, just a much better dynasty prospect. You look at the contact rate uh, for Kirloff in the upper levels versus what uh, Larnick showed. Um, pretty big gap there for me. And Kirloff's just got more track record of hitting for average and power at the same time. Larnick certainly has that that power potential, uh, but his swing is longer than Kirilov's. I think strikeouts are going to be an issue for him in the big leagues. He's he's a high OBP guy, so hopefully he can make that uh, sort of three true outcomes type of profile work. They're both bad defenders. Uh, Kirilov could be a maybe a first baseman slash DH. Uh, Larnick maybe a left fielder slash DH. Uh, but I just I just trust Kirilov's hit tool. Uh, significantly more i think the power the raw power is about the same but kirloff show more game power so i like kirloff by quite a bit nice well do you think we have to call it there probably uh, um the i'll just do i'll just do really quick hits uh just uh so <laughs> daniel fox wants to know about royce lewis and luis rodriguez for grisham and an obp i would take the uh you know i think about the lewis rodriguez side if you're rebuilding but otherwise i'd take grisham um ryan wants to know if uh, I bump up pitching prospects on the Dodgers or Indians. Uh, I definitely bump up Cleveland pitching prospects. They're they're awesome at developing pitching. Um, Rob Silver, friend of the show, wanted to know um, to what extent the lack of the minor league season will impact uh, guys who debut in 2021. I just I don't think I, I don't feel confident enough one way or the other to to say that it that it will or it won't i mean i think guys are getting reps guys are getting well rested i mean they're they're probably eating healthier and living better at these alternate sites than they would be if they're on the road so maybe that can counterbalance some of the reps they're missing out on the big difference is just the pitching with guys just not being able to build up over 100 innings so i think you're just not going to see guys who debut on the pitching side next year be able to come close to a full season's workload um and then uh, just two more really quick. Albert Klatchko, uh, he asked me a couple weeks ago about Corbin Burns for Luciano in a dynasty. If I'm rebuilding, it's Luciano easily. If I'm contending, I could see going Burns. I mean, he, he definitely has ace upside. He's pitched like an ace in uh, three of his last four starts. So, you know, I, I could see the, the case for going Burns if you're contending there. But, I mean, Luciano easily if you're rebuilding. And then uh, Less Than Dave, who uh, hosts an awesome podcast, uh, High Stakes Heat. Um, he's a, a Cleveland fan, and he wants to know uh, 
which prospect outside of their top five am I highest on and, and who am I above the industry on? Tanner Burns, who they drafted this past year, I think he's just a classic Cleveland pitching prospect who they're just going to maximize. He just has all those qualities that guys like Shane Bieber have had where the velocity is not incredible, but everything else is awesome. I think they're going to get a ton out of Tanner Burns. And then I'm, I'm much higher than the industry on Tyler Free, but I think he's going to be awesome. Nice. Well, those at the end, sorry we had to rush through those questions, but thank you all for submitting your questions. That was good stuff, James. Appreciate the rapid fire and getting through a lot, touching on a lot of bases there. Anything else on your mind before we wrap up today? Um, not really, man. I mean, I've, I've been, uh, I know you probably haven't been, but I've just been absolutely loving these NBA playoffs. Um, two amazing games last night. But um, You know, I was cracking up this morning, Stephen A., Going in on Max <laughs> about oh, yeah. the, like, the Clippers or something. But Stephen A is hilarious. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to start getting back into the NBA playoffs because I just like a lot of the personalities and a lot of good teams. It's like the era of the the duos, you know. Yeah, I mean, fun. I know that it's sacrilegious almost. Uh, for I know there's a lot of people on baseball Twitter that are not into the NBA, but man, those those two games last night were amazing. Well, have fun with the rest of that, man, and good luck to all you in your leagues. The rest of the way, we'll be back next week. Hope you join us on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.